I was very angry, honestly, because my 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 grades were not bad. Uh, I got frustrated about my grades, but they weren't bad. I got 7.5, I guess, at the time. In the beginning, I was like, oh, look at my grades. How can I teach IELTS if my grades are not, you know, uh, nine? <laughs> but I was in, it was a learning process to, to deal with that. And, and I told my students, well, I didn't get the highest, highest score because I know how hard it is. So you should be aware of that too. And, and then I started realizing because it's not a real life situation, you need to be aware of that too. You know, this is not your life. This is not a job interview. This is not um, uh, uh, socializing with people. This is not your life. It's, um, it's one process that you need to go through in order to get your paperwork done. Hello there, and welcome to the Speak English Fearlessly podcast. This is the podcast for motivated English learners who want to speak English fearlessly and learn practical tips and strategies to conquer this help of exam. I also love to feature encouraging interviews with regular people, people just like you, who are working towards becoming fluent in English, so we can learn from their experiences together. Who am I? My name is Aaron Nelson. I've been an English teacher for over 16 years, and I now work to help students prepare for the SELPIP exam through online classes. Have you ever struggled with trying to get enough time in order to practice or study your English? You know, you and I live busy lives, don't we? It can sometimes feel like you don't have time to do all the things you really want to do. That happens to me. That's for sure. But if you've ever felt that way about your English practice and study, then this episode will be helpful for you, because my guest and I will be talking about something called microlearning, and how you can use it to grab even the smallest block of time to help you continue to grow your English skills. We also talk together about the CELPIP and IELTS exams, and how helpful they are, or not, in helping you develop your confidence in English. And we share how you should move forward if you don't achieve the result you were hoping to achieve on the test. We also dive a little deeper into our guest's journey towards becoming fluent in English, as well as how long it took her to be able to teach English. If you've ever felt like, will I ever get this? Will English ever be something I can use on a regular basis and actually feel comfortable with it? If you've wondered that, if you've ever felt like giving up, which I'm sure we all have had those moments, if we're being honest, then please keep listening. I think you'll find my guest story to be very encouraging. Today, I'm excited to bring you the... Th Learners understand how they learn English the best, and she collaborates with teachers to develop courses and language learning strategies to benefit their students. So please, sit back, relax, and join me in part three, the final part of my conversation with Talida Oshedi. 
In one of our conversations, I think it was on Telegram, we were chatting back and forth. You you were talking about how you worked with other teachers to write a book. And uh, you you wrote a book or a chapter, uh, if I'm getting this correctly, you, you wrote a chapter about microlearning. And when I read that, one, I don't have an idea what microlearning is exactly. I have guesses in my mind, but I am absolutely looking forward to this part. I mean, I was looking forward to talking with you about all the things that we're talking about, but I was really curious to hear about what microlearning is and how could someone learning English or anything in particular use it. So what is microlearning, Karina? Well, you you know what microlearning is. Uh, you mentioned it in your podcast that I, I one of the episodes that you were talking about uh, reading reading skills. I remember that, but I, I'll get to that. <laughs> so yeah, I had I had an opportunity to work with uh, other Brazilian teachers. We wrote a book for the Brazilian uh, audience, Brazilian learners. It's in Portuguese. Um, and I wrote one chapter, uh, aiming at students, uh, who were in the, who had the same profile as my students, uh, people who are, um, managers, they, they have a busy schedule. They don't have a lot of time to, to study, or they have a very irregular schedule, uh, free time. And then, I decided to write about uh, how can you practice English even if you have if you don't have a lot of time, even if you have a busy schedule, uh, or you can you cannot organize um, a dedicated day or time to study. So I came up with some strategies of micro learning, and by micro learning I mean micro like a small bite sized learning. So uh, when you have uh, access to content or to practice that takes you no longer than 30 minutes, usually I assign uh, tasks that take between uh, 10, 20 minutes, but it can be as little as five minutes or as much as a half an hour. Uh, but if you don't, um, if you don't have time just have in hand a list of things that you can do. Uh, for example, a, a six-minute English podcast um, or a short text. Uh, so if you have those list of um, content or um, how you can practice English, I can use my phone to record myself on Telegram, for example, or, or some other recording, some other chatting app, uh, some people have groups with themselves so they can keep sending messages or you can get a voice recorder from your phone um, to practice your your pronunciation, your speaking, uh, uh, speaking skills. Uh, there are apps that have bite-sized content for you to read in five, 10 minutes. So all this is micro-learning. And you, when you can organize a set of strategies that work for yourself, then when you don't have time, you just come like, oh, uh, what are the five options that I have now that I have just 10 minutes to practice? 
So I just, I, I've been using that with my learners and it's been working really well. So I decided to write about that. So micro learning is kind of like trying to take advantage of whatever blocks of time you may have and using it. If you're trying to learn English, it'll be using it to help you to connect with a, a short article to read or to listen to a short podcast or to maybe watch something really short. Um, but basically just, if I'm understanding it correctly, it's just trying to use the spaces of time that you have in your life to try to connect more with English in a way. Is that accurate? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, some people have time and they can use microlearn in, microlearning in new ways, but... Um, back to your first question about the students, uh, what are, what are the, the things that students should know about learning? Uh, consistency is also on my top three. <laughs> so sometimes it's better to have 10 minutes every day, especially when you are an immigrant, you know, that more than me or, or as much as I do, <laughs> um, Sometimes it's it's uh, more useful or more helpful to have a constant practice a little bit every day than just having an hour once a week and not doing anything else, any anything related to a second language. So uh, if you are on social media and you watch a video uh, in, in English, that's helpful, you know, uh, just... Um, I, I joke with my students, they are in tech and most of them are, are gamers. So I tell them, this is like an RPG game. The more points of experience you accumulate, the better you, you get, you know? <laughs> so you can get, you can level up by doing that. So yeah, you accumulate minutes of watching videos or minutes of reading. The more reading that you do, more words you get in touch with, you review, you learn new things. Uh, uh, you practice uh, vocabulary, grammar. So um, there are like YouTube is a huge platform of micro learning. You can watch a, a class, an English class in 10 minutes. So there are many ways to use micro learning strategies for input, just watching, reading, but you can also practice. You can do a, um, you can just use your, your note app on your on your phone and take notes, make a, a shopping list in English or um, uh, just write, write a small diary. What are my intentions for today or what are the things that I did today? So you can practice a uh, future past. There are many ways to use micro learning and you don't need an hour to sit down and practice. And sometimes you are commuting to work. You can listen to a podcast. You are, um, some some of my students used to travel on business where they would practice while they were in the airport waiting for their flight to take off. So you, you just need to build the habit to remember that if you have spare time, you can use some of those strategies. Yeah, I really like that idea. Um, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Look, uh, sounds sounds light, right? Well, it is. Light. Yeah, but it's yeah, it yeah. is fun if you find because I think that that's a mistake that students make, at least the students that I've experienced in my life is very often they think that 
you know, the only kind of content that is good content is a course book or, you know, course related material that is kind of like boxed Mm -hmm. as language learning. But and that's usually quite boring and very usually not too connected to what real life is like. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really refreshing thing to think about, like contact in English can be around things that you enjoy doing, like watching The Office or watching Friends or listening to your favorite podcast about history or science or, um, you know, whatever, (laughs) whatever breaks your pinata <laughs> things that you enjoy doing yeah, you know yeah, yeah, i love that <laughs> and uh so my question is if you're listening let's say let's say that your favorite thing to do is to listen to podcasts is there something that you should do as you are engaging with that micro learning material to help you to take full advantage of it oh certainly um you for example you can practice multiple skills uh you are listening to a podcast uh while you're driving to work maybe next day you have 10 minutes or on the same day you can just uh write down a summary of what you listened to uh you need to be intentional uh, mm. it's not just random okay you can do random uh <laughs> Uh, listening and listening to music, uh, it it helps a little bit. But if you're intentional, oh, I'm going to listen to this podcast and try to identify, um, you know, how people uh, talk, you know, the connections, like how English is different from uh, the English from, from the books or, uh, you know, the... the the noticing noticing the accent or noticing the intonation noticing uh different elements of the speech of the sounds of english that can be something how people use a in the words apple um um and then you have spade and then you have water so um, try to be intentional about noticing things you know i'm gonna what I'm going to do with this, uh, with this time that's helpful. And again, back to your strengths. If, uh, your pronounce, you don't have much problems with pronunciation and your writing is what you need to practice. Then, uh, I would suggest reading a little bit more and making time for writing. Mm. And sometimes uh, starting with the simple things, writing whatever comes to your mind or writing the grocery list and eventually writing a recipe, writing down a recipe uh, from your from your native land, maybe, and, and share with your friends <laughs> in English. So that's, uh, you know, find motivation and, f- and be intentional about what you do. And I know that for examinations, for, for certificates, not always you can do only the fun stuff. There are some tasks, but you can just mix and match. You know, it doesn't need to be all boring or all fun. You can do a little bit of both. Yeah. So that's a great segue <laughs> because the, the next question that we were going to talk about today is um, you have a lot of experience helping uh, students prepare for the IELTS exam. 
And I'm getting into helping students get ready for the CELPIP exam. And one of the questions that I think is a really interesting one that you brought out in our chats is, do you think that language tests like the CELPIP or like the IELTS actually help learners to become confident in communicating in English? I think that's a great question. What do you, what do you think about that? Does it really help? I actually want to hear from you. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Well, <laughs> I think that I think it depends. I think that um, the thing that we were just talking about how important it is to get involved with English on everyday uh, for everyday purposes and, and around things that you enjoy. I think that that is, to me anyway, a more powerful way of helping you develop confidence uh, and a feeling of I'm understanding things that really matter to me. Like I'm just thinking of a, of a student that I was talking with yesterday. She had been preparing for the CELPIP exam for about, we've been working together for about three months or so. And yesterday she got her results back and she did amazingly well. And it wasn't because of me, but she did really, really well in three of her skill sets in the listening, in the writing, and in the reading. Like she was scoring 11s and the maximum score that you can get on this help of is a 12 for each of the skill sets. Wow. So she scored 11 on uh, two of the skills, uh, nine on one, and the lowest one was a seven. And she felt like one, the imposter syndrome thing was just raging loud. So we had to talk about that for a little while because she was only focused on the negative thing. But like in the, there was one other person in the class. It was, it's a two person class that, that we, that we do together for this. And the other person in the class was like, so astonished that you got an amazing result. I mean, like it, it's so hard to, what am I trying to say? Like she, the, the student that had just received her test results was, was kind of somehow boxing herself into those numbers and not seeing the full, her, her full experience that she now has with English. Like all she could see were the numbers. And I know that this, I mean, these exams for some people are very high high stakes, like they're very important exams for, for this person. It's part of her immigration process. So I totally get that, that the number does matter. And uh, the number means something on to a government official somewhere who's going to say yes or no to your status as a permanent resident or a citizen or, or send you back home again. So I get that part. I really do. And I feel in one way it's unfair because this person is able to, she holds a job where she interacts with people every single day in English. She doesn't hide behind her language skills at all. Like she, she's out there doing what she needs to do. And yet uh, this result was kind of like a, a, a real downer for her, I think. I don't know if I'm explaining myself very well, but I think that if you do a good job on the test, maybe you it does help your confidence but if you're struggling mm -hmm. with like an exam to me is kind of artificial because it 
there are so many um, so many things that can go wrong <laughs> when when you're yeah. actually doing the test, and that's what happened to her. She froze mm-hmm. because she felt nervous in one section yeah. of the test, and that totally changed her whole outcome. I think she could have done better if if she wasn't as nervous, but it's a, a human tendency to feel nervous when you're doing an exam. It happens to me. I get, I freak out when I have to do something as big as a test. And when my whole, you know, future <laughs> in my, in the country where I'm trying to live is kind of sitting on top of that. I mean, that's, that's insane. So, I mean, I probably am going off topic a bit, but I think it's kind of unfair in some ways. I think it's useful. You need to be able to demonstrate that you can, you know, use English in order to just for your own sake of living in an English speaking country. (laughs) As far as improving confidence, I think sometimes if you do, I think it depends on what you tell yourself or, or how others help you to shape how you interpret your, your results. I think it can either negatively, like drastically negatively impact your confidence levels uh, no matter how good you do. I mean, my student had two 11s out of 12 and all she could see was the one number that was lower. And that just blows my mind. I know I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, uh, I don't even know if I answer that question, but uh, no, I agree. I agree with you. I like, I like uh, how you put that because it is, uh, well, remember when I told you that sometimes my learners don't perform well because they are, tired, they're stressed, if you're nervous, if you're anxious, that's going to definitely affect and uh, refrain you to reach your full potential uh, at the moment. So um, that's why I like to prepare my students psychologically. I think there is a huge psychological barrier, and that's the main challenge of learning a language. I think it's dealing with this psychological barrier, uh, you know, seeing mistakes as not as a bad thing, but as part of the process. Not not watching, uh, not looking at those numbers as something that d- puts you in a box that define you, for sure. But there is, I mean, as much as we talk about that, I'm pretty sure if both of us would take a, a test nowadays, we would feel pretty much the same way. I said, "Oh, I know that I talk about that all the time. I tell my students about that, but I still feel frustrated somehow." <laughs> I feel that I could have done better. So I don't want to be, um, I, I don't even remember the word that I want to say, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I'm not lying that I, I wouldn't feel the same way somehow. But uh, yeah, but it's important. It's important that we talk about it. And sometimes we let learners, uh, you know, put that out and we, we need to show them what what is beyond that we need to constantly show that that uh, it's not easy it's not easy i don't i agree with you it's not fair i actually had my pr my canadian pr denied because of ielts so i i'm not a fan <laughs> of this situation because <laughs> <laughs> my ielts expired I, there, oh, it's a it's a long story but my IELTS expired and it said, oh, you need to do all do it all over again. And then it's when I gave up. So I'm not your, uh, mm-hmm. a, a near neighbor because of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, it's our it's our, it's our loss. <laughs> okay, I, I'm so close, close oh. to the border. I can come and visit sometimes. You should come and visit too. But yeah, anyways, yeah. yeah, this is. Um, uh, I think uh, the process of learning can be very helpful for students, like uh, uh, preparing for the test, just having one goal in mind and keeping focused. I think that's very helpful. But uh, of course, uh, there are some other ways to to learn that can be less stressful. In uh, if you need to do it because of your purple work, you it is what it is, right? So let's let's try to put a little bit of micro learning and fun in the middle of that. <laughs> and how did you interpret? Or I imagine. Uh, and I hope you don't mind me asking you this, but when you did find that uh, that negative result on the IELTS, which totally kind of closed the door, at least temporarily, on your on your desire to live in Canada, how did you deal with that? I was very angry, honestly, because my 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 grades were not bad. Uh, I got frustrated about my grades, but they weren't bad. I got seven point five, I guess, at the time. In the beginning, I was like, oh, look at my grades. How can I teach IELTS if my grades are not, you know, uh, nine? <laughs> but I was in, it was a learning process to, to deal with that. And, and I told my students, well, I didn't get the highest, highest score because I know how hard it is. So you should be aware of that, too. And, and then I started realizing, because it's not a real-life situation, you need to be aware of that, too. You know? This is not your life. This is not a job interview. This is not um, uh, uh, socializing with people. This is not your life. It's, um, it's mm -hmm. one process that you need to go through in order to get your paperwork done. So let's focus on that. And uh, what happens in your life if you if you're able to use English in other situations? It's it's a matter of context, right? Uh, here you don't. It's not about your English only. It's about how you are good at taking the test and timing and and answering the questions and knowing what type of questions they are asking. So it's a completely different thing. I don't know if you know about it, but I, I there are some some native speakers of English that had to take IELTS or some other tests like that. They failed because they were just talking yeah. or doing whatever, you know, using their natural language. And they were supposed to use a framework to follow a framework for the test. So some people score have low scores. Being uh, native native speakers of English. So that's a proof that that's it has nothing to do with how much you can communicate and uh, understand people in English. Yeah, that's that's really important. And it's important to have people <laughs> that you that can kind of help you talk through a negative result if you, if you didn't get the result that you were hoping for. I think that that's so important to have somebody that can kind of ground you a little bit and, you know, talk you through that whole process of, you know, this isn't like every day. 
uh, I don't know. We we just tend to generalize. I think when when we take when we get a negative test result, we just tend to generalize it about all of our abilities oh, yeah. in in English, and we think, well, I just got to pack up and and go home. <laughs> this, this isn't working out for me. But yeah, we it is artificial. It is not a true indicator of who you are or what you're able to really do in English. And I mean, nobody functions well. Well, I'm sure there are some people that love to function under stress. and But most of the people that I know don't do very well under high stress, things like that, like a, a big test that will determine if you will be allowed to live in a country or yeah. not. And uh, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. That's kind of unfair, I think. But uh, that's the way life is working right now, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that, it is it is something that we need to be thinking through and have someone that can help us through that if we do have a negative result and how to just reinterpret the what it means for us. I think that's that's really helpful. So I didn't get a chance to ask you this and you asked me, so that's not fair. But how long did it take you? to go from being a Portuguese native speaker to being able to have enough English skill to actually become an English teacher? How long did it take you to do oh that? Oh, my God. Um, so, actually, I started studying English formally at the age of 15. When I was about 24... I started a job as a bilingual receptionist in Brazil and I had a Nigerian friend. So I was so enthusiastic about uh, talking to her. I told her, well, I need to improve my speaking skills. Can we keep chatting uh, when we're not at work during our coffee breaks or whenever we have time? She said, sure. Eventually she started inviting me to... uh, parties with her friends, Nigerian friends or some from, um, yeah, some friends from other nationalities. And it was when I started just putting myself out there and try and, and I would chat with them. That was pretty cool. And I think I felt very, uh, I felt in a safe environment when people allowed me to make mistakes. I was young, so I didn't feel bad about making some mistakes. Sometimes I was pretty um, comfortable talking to people. Uh, then I started teaching after I started college and I started teaching privately. Eventually I got a job at school, but I was working with kids and beginners. And I think it's when I, I stopped. Uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, I stopped studying. I was stu- I was just preparing classes and I was with my students. Um, I would do some professional development courses, but I I got my advanced English certificate, but I didn't do much more than that. And then for those four years, I was just teaching uh, at school, teaching some students, and then I moved to Canada. And then I I feel that I risked reset my button <laughs> I reset my, my experience I started a new cycle of uh, relearning you know and and then I was like okay and 
um, there is a, a um, it's not the language barrier, it's the cultural barrier that I think that was huger mm -hmm. <laughs> and made me feel stuck. You know, I was just in a place that I was not familiar with. People would talk about things that I didn't understand. And I was learning English as I was learning a new way of life in new in a new context. And and then I and then it's when I started feeling this strong imposter syndrome. So I had a moment back in Brazil where I could talk to my friends. That was wonderful. But then, yeah, in when I moved to Canada, it took me. Uh, yeah, no, in Canada I couldn't feel. <laughs> I think at least, really? yeah, the two years that I was in there, I wasn't a hundred percent confident. But yeah, first year for sure was was the hardest. Second year was a little bit better. And so, would you say, well, how long do you think it took you to start feeling confident, like really confident with with your I English say skills? Really confident, but confident. <laughs> <laughs> I started feeling confident maybe last year. <laughs> not not talking in English. I don't want to scare people, but um just uh feeling oh, feeling adjusted, you know, that I can have carry on a conversation and feel that I f uh, have this uh feeling that I I belong in here because of the language, mm. because of the yeah. culture. Uh, I know that I, I'm never gonna be a native like a native, and that and I'm okay with that. And I learned that it's okay to be who I am, to bring my my cultural background with me. Uh, uh, I don't want to uh, have a, like a perfect American accent or Canadian accent. Uh, I just feel that uh, sometimes I want to be able to socialize, to connect to people. And sometimes you just say, oh, hi, I'm good. How are you? And just you cannot carry on more than a 10-minute conversation. For me, that's a, a, a great frustration. So now I can talk more. And some days I, I'm tired, so uh, words fail me. And yeah, it's just ups and downs. We have ups and downs. But yeah, like first years, first year in Canada was like really challenging. After that, I could just make it work, even though I was not uh, fully happy about my performance in English. I could, I could make things work. I could, uh, I could get my issues solved over the phone. I developed some small strategies. I had a hard time spelling. I would never thought I would struggle with spelling, which is the first thing that we learn in English, the alphabet. But when you say, oh, N, and people say N or M, I say, okay, uh, how do I explain that over the phone? <laughs> and I realized there's small things that we don't give importance. We don't even know they exist when you're not living in the uh, using the language every day. Those small things just bother you so much because they are really small, but there are many of them. Every day you, there is a micro challenge that you have to face. Hmm. 
That's so true. There's always something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we, we should kind of wind down, but before we do, what like could you talk to us about what you are working on right now? And um if some if one of our listeners or many, I hope, of our listeners really enjoyed listening to you and they wanted to find out more about you, how could they get involved in your world and what you are up to these days? Oh, thank you. So can I talk about my new program then? <laughs> that is absolutely the point. This is your opportunity to sell it. Okay. <laughs> talk about thank it. Thank you. Thank you. So last year, I, I launched a conversation skills program, but I'm reframing it into a three-week program, which is going to be short and sweet, and I'm very excited about it. So it's coming out in a few weeks. So if you're interested in improving your speaking skills so you can socialize and connect to people, especially if you need to use English at work, but you can use it in any any type of conversation. Just, um, yeah, I'll be offering this and you can talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm also offering a 20-minute call if you want to chat and let me know about your struggles and we can evaluate your needs. So you can email me at contact at talitalearn.org. Or you can find me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is talita.learn. Talita.learn. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit about that conversation program. What, what would someone be doing with you? Uh, so uh, that's an interesting thing. My students came to me. Some of them already have an advanced level of English. But they tell me, well, I can make presentations, I can talk to clients at work. Most of my students are in tech. And they say, well, I, the other day I went out for lunch with my colleagues and I wanted to recommend a restaurant. I wanted to talk about the weather. I, if I was so limited, I just would say it's very good. It's great. And I couldn't explain more details about it. or um, I some students uh, were going to participate in an event abroad and they wanted to connect to other people. And you don't only say, hi, this is my position, this is my work. You just you make a small talk, uh, especially when you take breaks, you have a coffee, coffee break. And then this is when I stepped in. I was helping my learners who were already confident uh, speaking at work about work, but they were not them. They didn't feel themselves when socializing with other people. So I wanted them to mm -hmm. feel comfortable talking to people, socializing. It feels small when you when you talk about small talk, but uh, it's it's the point of connection between you and other other person, and that's a big deal. Absolutely, yeah, it is a big deal. It helps you to to engage with someone that you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> so it, it is depressed. a big deal. Small talk is actually quite yeah, big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what your program is going to be aimed at doing. Is is that right? It's helping people to develop confidence and skills 
for small talk? Yeah, socializing uh, through small talk, yeah. And so once again, if someone, and I hope someone in here is listening and really wants to to jump in with you, how can they reach you again? And by the way, I'm going to include this in the show notes of this podcast. So if you are driving or doing exercise or out for a walk and you're thinking, oh gosh, I really want to connect with Talita. And I just, I know I'm not going to remember her Instagram handle or her email address. Don't worry, it's going to be in the show notes and you can uh, open it up and read it at your leisure and there'll be a, a link that you can click on to go directly to her page. But once again, how can people find you? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Instagram, talita.learn or email contact at talitalearn.org. All right. Well, Talita, that's, I think we, we've gone over the time that we th- we thought we would so i don't want to take more of your your precious time but thank you so much for chatting with me today i had a really fun time getting to know you a little bit and um i'm i hope that we can do this again in the future this was fun yeah this was incredible thank you so much for the opportunity thank you for listening to today's episode of the speak english fearlessly podcast If you've enjoyed what Talita has been sharing and you'd like to get in touch with her, you should head over to her website at www.talitalearn.org forward slash bio. That's www.talitalearn.org forward slash bio. You can also follow her on Instagram at talita.learn. And... These will also be in our show notes, just in case you can't write them down right now. You know, we've covered a lot of great things over the past three episodes. And if you'd like to get a master cheat sheet of all the great things that we covered from today and from the past two episodes, you totally can. And for free. Just go to www.selpipsuccess.com forward slash resources. That's selfhipsuccess.com forward slash resources, where you can sign up and grab a free cheat sheet of all the most important things we've been talking about. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. My friend, are you struggling right now? with your selfhip prep? Does it feel like you're lost and everyone around you knows what they're doing except you? Don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you don't have someone to ask, um, hello, I'm here. And I'm not even waiting for you to ask for help. I'm inviting you to come and work with me. I'm an experienced English teacher and certified selfhip trainer and I can help you prepare for your exam. So if you're ready to stop feeling overwhelmed with what to study next for the CELPIP exam, and if you're ready to get friendly support and encouragement when you're having a hard time, then today is the day for you to connect with me. I want to work with you. Just go to www.selpipsuccess.com forward slash listener and you'll get a 25% discount 
when you join the Selpip Success School. I'll put a link for that in my show notes, but that link again is selpipsuccess.com forward slash listener, and you will get a 25% discount. The Selpip Success School combines weekly assignments that you can do on your own with unlimited support from me, as well as weekly live coaching calls. Let's work together and conquer the Selpip exam.